We are Life Church, one church meeting in multiple locations and reaching around the world with the help of Church Online. If you ever have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to life.church. Or you can stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Life Church app available today wherever you download your apps from. Coming up, our senior pastor, Craig Rochelle, helps us see how we as Christians are called to live under the influences of God, but so many of us find ourselves living under the influences of society, and that has to change. And today we'll find out how in part two of Under God. day to have you in church today, and I want to welcome all of our churches as we're in part two of a four-part message series called Under God. And as we walk into this message today, I just want to kind of tell you from my heart for a moment that I have an unusual burden, not only for this message, but for the entire series. And I just tell you that because it's very, very true. I teach all year long, and I'm always really excited about what I believe God has put on my heart. But this particular message series in this particular season, there's an unusual spiritual burden, and you might feel that today. If you're a little bit uncomfortable, that's not always a bad thing. I'm also going to ask you to work with me today, not just listen, but really put some work in on the back side of this message, talking about this in your life group, talking about it over lunch or dinner or uh, throughout the week. But I, I believe this message has the potential to really have and make a significant impact in so many people's lives. If you missed last week, what we're doing is we're really talking into the times of our culture today. As you know, next Tuesday is a very big day for the direction of our nation. We will elect a new president of the United States. And in this time, what I'm doing is taking the Pledge of Allegiance and allowing some themes to emerge from the pledge and teaching from scripture on those themes. For example, last week we talked about being one nation under God. We looked at one nation. The reality is if you're a Jesus follower, this world is not our home. We're from a heavenly nation and we are ambassadors sent by God to represent him on this earth, one nation. Today, we're gonna look at the idea of under God. Next week, we're gonna talk about indivisible. Uh, on the backside of the election, you can only imagine the tension there will be. As Jesus followers, how do we stand united spiritually when we might have differences politically? Incredibly important that we get this right. Week number four is my favorite week. Uh, one nation under God with liberty and uh, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We're gonna look at the phrases liberty and justice. Jesus essentially came full of liberty and justice. John says he came full of grace or liberty, justice, truth. And we're gonna look at the idea of how do we as Jesus followers love the world with grace and not compromise truth. Very, very important message that we get this right in our world today. Today, I wanna to look at the idea of being under God. What does it mean to be under God? A lot of people don't recognize that the original version of the Pledge of Allegiance did not have the phrase under God in it. 
Many people don't realize that. When it was written originally in 1887, uh, the author was a guy named Colonel George Balk, who was a Baptist minister and a socialist. Now, I don't know about where you're from, but where I'm from, Baptist minister and socialist, that's an oxymoron. Two different words that don't go together. They're generally the opposite, like government efficiency. <laughs> Jumbo shrimp. Microsoft works. Stop me, I can do this all day long, okay? It's, I mean, <laughs> Baptist socialist, but anyway, this guy wrote the, uh, the original version of the pledge, and it wasn't until 1954, in a response to communist threats, that President Eisenhower suggested adding the phrase, under God, one nation, under God. And what I wanna to do today is wrestle with a very important question. If you're a Jesus follower, and I know not everybody is, and if you're not, you're absolutely welcome, and we're thrilled that you're here today. But if you're a Jesus follower, how do we live under God in a culture that's becoming increasingly hostile toward God? Let me ask this again. If you are a Jesus follower, how do we live under God in a culture that's becoming increasingly hostile toward God? And so what I wanna do is kind of start this message off, and again, I told you you're gonna have to work with me, and get you to think about and ask yourself, are you more under the influence of culture or are you more under the influence of God? For example, if you look in your notes, I put a little scale there and I really want you to wrestle with this on a scale of one to 10. If you look to one side, you'll see the one. And if you're like, if you recognize I'm totally and completely under culture, there's no sign of God in my life, you're gonna be a one, okay? You may say, oh no, 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 I am under God. Culture doesn't influence my beliefs whatsoever or my actions, so I'm a nine or a 10. And what I want you to do is wrestle for a little while and at the end of our time together, talk about with other people, are you more under the influence of culture and how you live think and what you believe, or would you say you're more under the influence of God? Now, before you circle a number on there, let me help you and unpack this just a little bit. I'm gonna give you some categories just to think about and ask yourself, maybe in this category, where would I be? And perhaps this will kind of motivate you toward an answer. Let's start with entertainment. Would you say that what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, the movies you attend, would you say that you're always influenced by God before you make a decision. You know, this song is pleasing to God, this movie is pleasing to God, this, what I'm consuming on social media is pleasing to God. Or would you say, you know, I don't give that a whole lot of thought. I mean, I kind of just watch whatever's popular. I read what everybody else is reading. I mean, you know, there's so many good things out there. Who has time to think is this pleasing to God? I just kind of consume whatever comes along. When it comes to your entertainment, would you say, I'm more under God in what I consume? Or would you say, well, I'm probably more under culture. Let's take another category. Uh, let's take your, your money. When you uh, receive something for your work, do you look at this and say, this was given to me by God to steward. It is not mine, it's, it's, it's his to steward to make a difference in this world. I'm very intentional, prayerful, thoughtful, live beneath my means, generosity is a core value, or would you say, oh man, I just want more so I can have more. And I saw this commercial and there's this thing and if I only had this car and oh, if I could just have that purse that matches those shoes that matches my hair thing that I got, oh, then I would be so happy. And like so many other people, we're in debt. 
Stressed financially, why? Because we're living beyond our means, consumed with getting more of what culture says will make you happy. When it comes to your money and things, would you say you're more under God and he directs you or you're more under culture? Let's think about your words. Just think about the words that you spoke last week. All the words you spoke, would you say your words were God honoring? You didn't gossip, you didn't cuss, not a single GD, not an F, not an SH, not an anything. Can I say that in church? I think I just implied, okay? But you didn't do that, okay? You, you didn't, you weren't talking bad about people. You weren't belittling others. You weren't critical. Your words were God honoring in every way. Or would you say, oh, come on now, Craig. I mean, who does that? I mean, everybody drops a little, he cut me off in traffic and he deserved it, bad word. You know, everybody kind of talks trash about people every now and then. I mean, that's just the way it is. Would you say in the words that you spoke that you were more under God or you were more like everybody else in under culture? Think about your time, the way you spend your time. Would you say that I recognize that I'm, my life is a mist here today and gone tomorrow. And I wanna maximize my time for the kingdom and the glory of God. Therefore, I seek God first. I spend more time with God than I do on Instagram. I spend more time with God than I do working out. Why? Because my spiritual development is even more important than my physical development. I seek God first. I let him direct my time. Or would you say, oh, that sounds great and I would love it and that's kind of ideal and all, but who has time for that? I mean, I got my life, my agenda, my kids to places. I'm so busy all the time. I mean, I kind of want to, you know, I get to church when I can. And I, I think I read my Bible like two weeks ago. or what, but, but like, I believe it's important, but who has time for that? Would you say when it comes to your time, you're more under God or would you say you're more under culture? What about where you draw your self-worth? Is your identity rooted solidly in who you are in Christ? doesn't matter what they think about you, what they say about you, how much you have, what you don't have, the labels you wear, you know who you are. Or would you say, you're really driven by what they think. Do you like me? Do you like my hair? Do you like, do you like what I say? Are we friends? Why did you slow text me back? Are we not okay? I mean, I, I texted you and there were no bubbles and I'm, I don't understand. Are we still okay? Where are we? I mean, do you, do you like the car that I drive? Do you like the music? Do we fit in? Are we cool? I mean, are we best buddies? Would you say that you're worth comes from who you are in Christ, you're under God? Or would you say that you're really driven by culture? What would you be? A one, a two, a three under culture, or would you be an eight, nine, a 10 under God? Now, before you answer again, let me just be really clear. Chances are very good you don't even know. You have no accurate judgment. For example, how many of you, all of our churches, please participate. How many of you have ever known someone to be under the influence of alcohol? Raise your hands up. Okay, notice I didn't ask you how many of you were recently under the influence of alcohol. I was cool with you there, right? You know somebody who was. What happens when somebody is under the influence of alcohol? What does it do? It changes the way you think, if I'm right, say right. It changes the words you say, if I'm right, say right. It changes what you think is funny, if I'm right, say right. It changes who you think is attractive. Am I right? Say right. right. How do you know that? <laughs> How do you know that? After six, suddenly there's a lot more attractive people in the world. After six or seven, you think you're attractive. Oh man, I look good in this swimsuit. Ha ha ha, let's party. It changes things, right? After a few, it changes who you love. I know I just met you, man. 
but I love you. Nobody gets me like you. You're talking to the bartender, mind you. Nobody gets me like you. It changes what influences you. You lower your guard. You're more vulnerable to doing unwise things. But most importantly, when you're under the influence of alcohol, you often do not recognize you're under the influence of alcohol. If I'm right, say right. I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I've only had a couple. <laughs> I'm not drunk. Right? When you're under the influence of alcohol, you're often unaware that you're under the influence. When you're intoxicated, you often don't know you're intoxicated. What if we've become so intoxicated by culture, we don't realize how far we've drifted from God? Let me say it again and just let it sink in. What if we, me, me, Craig Rochelle, what if I have been so intoxicated by culture, I have no idea how far I've drifted from God? Are we under the influence of God daily in the dominant parts of our life? Or are we under the influence of culture? What I wanna to do today is look at a person from the Old Testament that is a great role model for all of us. His name is Daniel. He was a guy that had every cultural temptation stacked against him and yet stayed true and under his God. Uh, if you don't know the story, Daniel worshiped Yahweh, the one true God. And an evil king, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, came in and destroyed Jerusalem, ripped the city to pieces, destroyed everything, took their religious uh, symbols away, essentially saying, you have no identity. And King Nebuchadnezzar chose the best and the brightest uh, potential young leaders, stripped them out of Jerusalem, brought them to Babylon and said, we're gonna train you to think like us, behave like us, act like us, so you can later be a future leader in our government. And you can read the, the very direct strategy in Daniel chapter one, uh, verses four and five, that tells kind of how this happened. A guy named Ashpenaz, his parents, I don't know what they were thinking when they called him that. Uh, he was the chief of the courts, was to teach them. Who's them? This is Daniel and his buddies, the sharpest of the sharp, the brightest of the bright. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Now, why does this matter? It matters because the, the food was dedicated to pagan gods, and this was gonna be unacceptable to Daniel. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So what happened? The Babylonians changed their language, changed their education, changed their diet. Eventually, they changed their names. Uh, at first, all of the, these young boys, they had names related to Yahweh, and the Babylonians renamed them names that related to pagan gods. What was the strategy? Change what they think, change what they believe, that will change how they behave. Change what you think, change what you believe, that will change how you behave. I'm here to tell you there is an all fronts attack 
on from our spiritual enemy who hates God and hates those who follow him. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. And our spiritual enemy is doing everything he can, leveraging popular culture to change how we think, change what we believe, therefore change how we behave. He's trying to change what we believe is true, how we think about life, therefore how we behave, so that we're more under the system of this world than we are under God. And that's why I came to tell you today that you cannot halfway be a follower of Jesus. You cannot passively follow Jesus. If you think for a moment, oh yeah, I'm kind of a, yeah, I'm kind of a Christian. Oh yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I mean, yeah, I believe I, I prayed that prayer when I was eight. And yeah, you know, I was, you know, I was confirmed in the church when I was 12, and I go to church every now and then. If you think for a moment you can do that, you are massively deceived. You cannot halfway follow Jesus. You cannot be a passive Jesus follower in this world. And that's why there are so many in the church today who say, yeah, I kind of believe in the whole God thing, but life's not working out. I continue to hurt, I continue to have bad relationships, I continue to be miserable, I continue to be depressed. Why? Because we've been lulled into a spiritual complacency, believing that lukewarm Christianity is good enough. I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not the real thing. There is something so much better than halfway kind of following Jesus. If I made an argument under any other area of life, you can't halfway get in good shape you would all say, yeah, absolutely, right? If I said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be in great shape, so I am gonna eat one good meal every couple of weeks, and then I'm going to the gym for an hour every couple of weeks. You would say, quit smoking whatever you're smoking. You will never be in good shape, right? If I said, I wanna have a great marriage to Amy, and so I'm gonna treat her with honor and respect once every couple of weeks. I mean. Who has the energy to do it all the time? You know how women are, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'll be nice when I can, but I, I, all the time, that's just too much. You think I'm gonna have a good marriage? Not for a moment. You think, hey, I can go to church an hour every couple of weeks and live a victorious life for the glory of God. You are so far deceived and under the influence of culture. We cannot halfway follow Jesus. There is no passive Jesus follower. The, the, the lure, the temptations, the massive pull of culture away from Christ, away from Christ, away from eternity is so massive. We become so intoxicated by it. We have no idea how far we've drifted from what God really intended. What do we do about this? Daniel chapter one, verse eight. I wanna show you what Daniel did. And this one verse is kind of the whole message hinges on this. What did Daniel do? Verse eight. Daniel resolved, everybody say resolved. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. What did the king say? You're gonna eat food devoted to pagan gods. And Daniel said, no, not on this one. You know, I'll go with some of this other stuff, but on this issue, I won't budge. Here's what I, I hope you'll find interesting. I think it's amazing. Whenever they changed their names, Daniel didn't fight back. You're calling me something else. I, it's just an outward label. I know who I am. You can change my name, but that doesn't change who I really am. I won't fight back when you mess with my name, but you mess with the name of my God. I just drew a line in the sand. I am not eating something dedicated to a pagan God. I will not cross that line. He resolved 
in his mind that he would not defile the name of his God in this way. Everyone else can, everyone else can say it's fine. This is just what everybody else does. It's not that big a deal. It's not gonna hurt anybody. God's gonna love me anyway. No, 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 no. He resolved in his heart not to defile the Lord in this way. I would say to every single one of you today, I would say to me, to faithfully live under God, we need to make some predetermined resolutions. If we wait until the moment of the battle to try to fight, we will be defeated and overcome again and again and again. Daniel resolved in his heart, and we as Jesus followers need to make some decisions ahead of time. I resolve in my heart that I always will, or it might be I resolve in my heart that I will not in order to glorify God. And this is where I told you you're gonna have to work. And I'm gonna beg you to work on this, to think about it. And I put three blanks in your notes to take some time and say, what decisions do I need to make to continue to grow in being fully under God instead of being intoxicated by the seductive lure of culture? What do I need to do? What do I need to resolve in my life? And I'm gonna give you a few of the ones that I did in my life, and I'm gonna throw some ideas out just to get you thinking. Um, when I became a follower of Jesus, I recognized I didn't know anything about the truth in the Bible. My, my, my mind had been programmed by culture and I needed it to be renewed. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My mind needed to be renewed. So I made a commitment to daily spend time with God, to open his word, to feed on his word, to seek him. And that was a non-negotiable. As for me, there is a predetermined resolution that for me to faithfully know him and passionately serve him, I will spend time with him every single day. I resolve. Uh, another thing I resolved to do is I'm a church person, man. I believe that we don't go to church, that we are the church. And when church is open, I'm in church. It's a resolution. And this was long before I was a pastor. I believe in the strength of the church. I am a part of the church. I use my gifts in the church. Church for me is not watching a podcast online. It's fellowshipping with believers of God. It's a predetermined resolution that I'm a part of the global body of Christ and I use my gifts to make a difference in the church. I made some, thank you, I made some, uh, some uh, I will never. Uh, I used to party my brains out and so I decided I won't get drunk anymore. Getting drunk is a sin, having a glass of wine is not. Getting drunk is, and so I said I won't get drunk. The problem is, when I would have one or two, two would turn into too many. So I just determined in my own life, I won't drink alcohol. I don't see the benefit of it, doesn't do anything for me, lowers my guard, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a doorway into things I don't need. So that's my predetermined resolution. I also determined as I came from a promiscuous and sinful lifestyle before Christ, as I searched God's word, I realized that the gift of lovemaking is reserved for marriage. My body is not my own, it belongs to Christ. And so I made a predetermined resolution I wouldn't sleep with anybody again until I was married. And so it was a predetermined resolution. And so I was like, I mean, I was so wild before. So I just meet some girl and she's like, hey, you know, we're kind of talking. She's like, hey, you want to go out sometime or whatever? I go, sure I will, but I'm not sleeping with you. I just tell them that. I mean, you laugh. There's a, there's a bunch of girls who say, yep, he said that to me. And the reason is because I wasn't going to wait till we're in the backseat of the car and clothes flying, go, I forgot to tell you. Don't touch that. Whatever. I forgot to tell you. Okay. No, 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 no. That's too late. I just said that. It came out. I can't believe it. Okay. Oh, 
Somebody stop me. Okay, it's a predetermined resolution. It's a predetermined resolution. I'm not gonna wait until we're in the battle. I'm staying out of the battle. You may make a predetermined resolution. I use my money for the glory of God. I am a tither. The first 10% that comes in, it belongs to God. I give it back to him. It's a form of worship, it's who I am. I've made, I'm not gonna wait until the end of the month to think about it, pray about it, see what's left over. It's a predetermined resolution that builds my faith to say, I trust God with this. You might make a predetermined resolution. There are certain types of movies you don't consume, entertainments that you don't consume because you're growing closer to Christ and you recognize, I don't need that filth in my mind. I don't need that, but it's so funny. It's so funny. I know mean, it's ungodly, but it's funny. Funny doesn't make wrong right. Can I say it again? Funny doesn't make wrong right. If I could just say, honestly, many of you, you call yourself a Jesus follower and you binge watch sin. That's what you do. You binge watch sin. Oh, it's good. Let's watch another one. Let's watch another one. And you wonder why. You don't have spiritual joy. Culture intoxicated. We make a predetermined resolution. You know what? My mind, I want it pure for Christ. My time is too valuable to, to be entertained by filth. Make a predetermined resolution. That may be yours, it may be yours. Well, it could be any number of things. My words are gonna be pleasing to God. I don't tear people down, I build people up. My words will be full of faith. I want my words to honor God. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Daniel resolved in his heart. Unless you wanna be sucked into the seductive lure of culture, you're gonna to have to make some predetermined resolutions. And if you think for a moment, I'm saying, oh, culture is bad, run and hide, run and hide. No, 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 no. As Jesus followers, we don't run from culture, we influence it. We're not influenced by it, we influence it. What are we? We are salt and we are light. We're not afraid of it, it's not gonna jump, ah, got me. No, 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 no. No, we have the light dwelling inside of us. So we separate ourselves because we are set apart. We are called to be holy. Holy means to be set apart, to be different. We are different from this world. We live in it, we are not of it, but we are called to influence it. What are we? We are ambassadors. We are representatives of the most high God. We are sent by God from heaven to earth to represent him in all that we do. That's why we decide ahead of time. We predetermine on these areas. I don't know what it'll be for you. This is why you have to do the work. In this area, I always, or in this area, I never. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to wait until the, the moment of truth. I've already determined. This is a line that I do not cross. Why does this matter? Next week, we will elect a new president of our nation. Some people will be happy, some people will be sad, some people are gonna be depressed no matter what. Some people are freaking out, oh, world's coming to an end. What we have to remember is this, never forget. No matter which candidate holds office, our God still holds the world, okay? No matter which candidate holds the office, okay? And I know, oh, it's gonna be horrible if whatever, okay? The good news is, no matter who is in office, God's will can still be done. 
Our God has worked through righteous leaders and our God has worked through unrighteous leaders. Our God has worked through the wisest of kings and rulers and our God has worked through the unwisest of kings and rulers. So we don't freak out. No matter who's in office, we're still under God. We are still under God. We make a decision as an individual, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The only way, the only way we can continue to do this, no matter who is in office, is if we make some predetermined resolutions. As for me and my household, this is who we are. This is what we do. Daniel resolved in his heart not to defile the Lord's name by taking of this food. First Peter chapter five, verse six, we're gonna land this plane. Peter said this, he said to humble yourselves. What, what do we need to do? And this is what's important. There are those of you today that you're pushing back, you disagree, you're thinking, ah, blah, 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 because you know it all. I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't know it all, you don't know it all. It's time to humble yourselves. It's time to humble yourselves and say, God, if there's any area in my life that is displeasing to you, show me. God, if there's any area in my life that I'm deceived, show me. If I'm intoxicated by culture to the point that I do not realize how far I've drifted from you, God, show me. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under God, everybody say under God. under God. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Mighty hand, the mighty hand of God. Yes, Jesus is the good shepherd. He is also the righteous judge. Yes, he is love, yet, but he is also the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Humble yourselves, never forget, we don't wink at God whenever we need him. We submit to him because he is holy and righteous and just. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. When you humble yourselves under God, he does not suppress you. He doesn't dominate you. What does he do? He lifts you up. When you are last, he makes you first. When you're humble, he says you're great. The problem is culture says everything diametrically opposed to what Jesus taught. Do you recognize this? Everything culture teaches is exactly opposite of what Jesus taught. What does culture say? Look at social media, promote yourself, elevate yourself, indulge yourself. What did Jesus say? Deny yourself. Culture says if you wanna be great, brag on yourself. Jesus says if you wanna be great, serve other people. Culture says consume, consume, consume. Jesus says give, give, give. Culture says if someone wrongs you, hate them. Jesus says if someone wrongs you, love them, bless them, be an encouragement to them. Culture says pursue things. Jesus says pursue God. Culture says live for now. Jesus says live for eternity. Culture says pursue happiness. Jesus says pursue holiness. Pursue that which lasts. If you wanna find yourself, go get drunk, get wasted, have more. Jesus says you wanna find yourself, lose yourself. Give yourself away, find yourself in him. Have we become? so intoxicated by the seductive, attractive message of culture. We have no idea how far we've drifted from God. And if you feel it today, that's good because the ones that worry me are the ones who go, yeah, 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 I, I watch whatever I want, I do, yeah, yeah, so I say if you go, and you don't care. That's what scares me. 
when you don't care. If you're under God, guess what? People are gonna laugh, they're gonna make fun of you, they're gonna make fun of us, and we're gonna be persecuted. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you also. That's why I don't worry whenever people persecute me for following Jesus. The only time I worry is when they don't. Because when no one is, that means I am conformed to the culture and just like everyone else. So next week, we elect a new president. We're voters, we're informed, we're involved, we pray, we're under God, okay? No matter who's elected as president, Jesus is still our king. And therefore, we stay under God. All of our churches, let's pray. Father, we ask that you would wake us up. God, wake me up. God, even in preaching this, I recognize how many different ways I've drifted from you, God, and my heart aches because of it. All of our churches, if you recognize today, perhaps you've been seduced by culture and you wanna be more under God. I cannot tell you how much I ache. Amy and I talked about this last night for so long, recognizing the number that we circle is not the number that we want. If you're like me and say, I wanna know him more intimately. I wanna serve him more faithfully. I am sick and tired of being focused on things that do not last and do not matter. And I refused, refuse to stay passive and lukewarm. I wanna know him, be empowered by him, equipped, called to make a difference in this world. God, help me be more under you and how I think, what I believe, and how I live. If that's you today at all of our churches, would you lift your hands high right now? Lift them up, lift them up, lift them up, lift them up. Leave them up, if you will, for a moment. Leave them up, all of our churches today. Just leave them up as we pray. Father, today, as our hands are lifted toward heaven, we ask, God, that you would renew our minds. God, that we would decide ahead of time. We are yours. We seek you. We will not allow others to defile your name. In our lives, as far as it depends on us, there are some things that we have predetermined. God, I pray this week in discussions, I pray that we would do the hard work, that we wouldn't be hearers of your word, we'd be doers of your word. God, that we would do the hard work and talk about it in our life groups. If we're not in a life group, we're getting in a life group because life is better together and we need each other. We're church people, God. We are your body. We take your word deep and we apply it in this world. God, show us specifically what are the two, the three, the four areas that we need to make some predetermined resolutions to commit before you and empower us, God, to keep those that we may know you, glorify you, and serve you in everything that we do, oh God. Purify us, God, forgive me for that which is displeasing to you. We humble ourselves, God, under your mighty hand. Show us that you may lift us up in due time. You can put your hands down at all of our churches. Keep praying, nobody looking around. There are those of you today that you recognize, wow, I'm not even close to being under God, not even close. You may believe in him, but your life doesn't reflect this at all. This was my story growing up. I went to church, believed in him, but didn't know him at all. You may say, man, I am not close. What do I need to do? So I need to stop watching bad shows and then I'll please him. No, please do not hear that. This is the amazing news. And let me tell you what culture will not tell you. Culture says, you're okay, I'm okay. No, here's the truth. You're messed up and I'm messed up. You're a sinner and I'm a sinner. 
All of us have sinned, and if you're honest, you recognize it. You've done things you feel guilty for, you know they're wrong. Sin is missing God's mark. The moment we sin, we are separated from God. But the amazing good news is that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus, who was without sin, to die in our place. Why? So that anyone, and this includes you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter how dark your life feels, anyone who calls on his name would be saved, would be forgiven. Jesus came not to make us religious fuddy-duddies. He came to give us life and life to the full. If you don't have it and you search everywhere for it, why? You are pursuing a counterfeit. He is the real thing. The truth is a person. Jesus is the Son of God. You recognize, I've sinned. I need a Savior. I turn from my sin. I turn toward Him. I want to be under Him. I want to deny myself that I might know Him. I want to lose my life so I can find His life. All of our churches, you say, that's my prayer. I need His presence. I need His grace. Today I turn and surrender to Him. That's you lift up your hands high right now. All of our churches say yes. Up here, up here, God bless you guys. Right back over here, here in this section, back over here, up here close. Others of you lift up your hand and say yes. Jesus, I surrender. I need your grace, I need your grace, I need your grace. Others of you today, you're leaning into it. Make the decision, step across the line and say yes, I surrender. Church online, you click right below me. We're gonna pray together today. Everybody pray aloud, pray. Heavenly Father, I need you, your grace, your forgiveness. Jesus, make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for my whole life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. I wanna be under you, to serve you, to follow you to make you known. Thank you for new life. You have all of mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you all worship big, worship loud, worship our God. Welcome those born into God's family today. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in how God is working in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to life.church slash next. You know, here at Life Church, one of our favorite weekends is Baptism Weekend, as we see hundreds of people go public with their faith across all of our Life Church campuses. And this last Baptism Weekend was an absolute party. Check it out. Thanks again for tuning in today. You know, here at Life Church, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That statement drives everything that we do. And for those of you that are connected with our church, thank you, thank you for your ongoing prayers, generosity, and support. It's you doing your part that allows God to work through our church as we help people find God and find life.